Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Eric Nalin. Publisher, InsideTexas.com. Inside Texas is your source uh, for Longhorn sports news and recruiting information. How are you doing today, Eric? Uh, I'm doing well, but not as well as uh, Texas Athletics did yesterday. Yeah, let's get straight into it. Uh, We've got, we got some, uh, some non-football stuff to talk about first, but then we have some uh, sp- football-specific things to talk about. Texas takes home on Saturday four uh, Big 12 championships in other sports. Men's and women's swimming and diving, they win the Big 12 championship for the umpteenth time. Uh, and men's and women's track and field uh, both win uh, the Big 12 championship as well. The Longhorns in basketball won their 21st game of the season, uh, going on the road uh, into a hostile atmosphere in uh, Morgantown, West Virginia, coming away winning 82-81. It was not the best game they've played or the cleanest game they've played, uh, but you know, I don't know what you think, but that's a game that maybe Shaka Smart's teams lose, maybe Rick Barnes' later teams at Texas lose. And and winning is part of the process right now for that team, Eric. Yep. Um, you, we, we look at those, uh, but probably the best all-around program right now on the on the uh, on the on the 40 acres is the, the Longhorn baseball team. Yeah, I got some stats where they're now seven and zero. They beat Alabama one to nothing on Friday night. Uh, came back and beat Alabama two to nothing on Saturday. They've now played seven games, sixty three innings. How many earned runs do you think they have? <laughs> uh, probably not many more than they allowed this weekend. Uh, they've in sixty three innings, seven full games. They've allowed three earned runs. Jeez. The most they've allowed in a single game this year is two. You're going to win a lot of baseball games if you're you're only giving up one or two uh, runs a game. They finish their series with Alabama uh, later today. And before we go on, before we go to football, I want to mention this because this is something that I – this is a topic I love. Uh, I'm a quiz, trivia kind of connoisseur. I'm going to mention Jaskaran Singh, uh, the <laughs> senior at the University of Texas, won the inaugural uh, uh, Jeopardy quiz tournament of champions for college uh, uh, participants. Uh, Singh took home a cool 250 grand this last week nice. uh, for his time. And then he went and uh, went into Qu- Chris Beard's locker room and did some sort of dance with the team post game. <laughs> not, not, still not trying, still trying to describe that. Uh, but, uh, anyways, uh, not a bad uh, couple of weeks uh, or a couple of days, excuse me, uh, for the Longhorns on the playing fields and uh, even just, even in Jeopardy. You just described why UT is so great, and and the the fortunate the unfortunate thing is uh, people just don't celebrate it enough when the football is is down. You know that everybody identifies through football, and this kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But that was just an awesome week, and I love seeing the Jeopardy champion as well. I grew up watching that. 
my stepdad had the little game that you could keep score as you went along with it, you know, and he, he would often win. We're like, well, it doesn't matter. Go on the show, you know, prove it. Uh, but, but man, I've watched a lot of Jeopardy. Um, yeah, it, you know, it reminds of that, uh, that Sports Illustrated cover that when they had versus uh, Texas versus Stanford, who had the best overall athletics program, you know, everybody else is doing their part. Uh, and I think Chris Beard is getting them along uh, back to where Texas basketball was at the time that cover was made. Uh, but it just depends on football. But it, it seems like fans are just a little slow to celebrate these things because, you know, everybody, uh, uh, football matters kind of trumps all, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, or fortunately, right? I mean, we can look at it both ways. I think that, that, that yes, Texas had a bad season last year, but at the same time, there's a lot of room for improvement. Well, I didn't celebrate those baseball wins over Alabama as much as I would have if I thought that they had a better chance winning in football in a couple months. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, hey, look, I, I think Alabama is going to be fit to be tied next year in football. Oh, yeah. I, if they don't end up the uh, preseason favorites to win the national championship, I don't know who will. They have the returning Heisman Trophy winner. They have two uh, absolute beasts at defensive end that can rush the passer. And you know that they're talented across the board elsewhere. That's just uh, a hallmark of a Nick Saban team. So, um, you know, I want to get into football a little bit. Uh, you reported something, or Inside Texas reported something on Friday uh, that no one else had reported uh, publicly. And that's that Malik Murphy, uh, the incoming quarterback, true freshman, he's, he's on campus early, uh, has been in a boot since arriving on campus. Uh, obviously, one of the reasons why uh, he hasn't been mentioned as throwing alongside Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card. Yeah, I mean, it was things have been quiet. So we were asking about him and yeah, we found out he was in a boot and, you know, he's only doing uh, partial workouts with the team. And so he's not always around. So we're, we're just not hearing as much about him. But, um, you know, the boot is highly precautionary. The, the joke is that, that they use the boot as frequently as uh, parking enforcement on campus does. So it's, you know, it's not really a sign that that you're truly injured. It's just, you know, they're just letting you uh, heal slowly and, and, and make sure you heal right. So it's not, I don't think it's going to be anything that affects them uh, developing throughout spring. Uh, but that's why things have been kind of quiet on that front. Yeah. I mean, uh, you look at that and um, we talked about the throwing sessions with yours and card and those guys last week. Um, it was nice to see also uh, the Texas football team out supporting other sports. As we talked about other sports yesterday or, or earlier in this program, uh, Texas football team was out to watch the women's basketball team the other night. Uh, they've been uh, trying to, uh, you know, be alongside the, the Texas bas men's basketball team as well. Uh, I think that that's a, that's a good sign um, and something that, you know, frankly, I don't know that it had been missing on the 40 acres uh, under a previous regime, but I really credit uh, in large part the coaches of, of those, each of those programs for making that a priority and making it more of a community uh, yeah. where that, that happens. And then also Chris Del Conte, the, the athletic director, I think deserves some credit uh, for, for creating that collegiality uh, among the group. But hopefully, as we talked about, uh, all of these accolades or, or positive notes coming in for Texas athletics, uh, it's, it's one thing that you and I have used before. And, and I know you've heard the term, a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, a, you know, excellence breeds excellence. Um, as you, as you look at it, what, do you think that kind of camaraderie helps uh, across sports programs? Um, how important is it? What, what are your thoughts on that? 
I, I think it does. I think unity helps. Um, you know, I, I think a, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, there's a lot of friends that, that cross sports, you know, the basketball players will be friends with the basketball uh, football players and, you know, the volleyball players will be friends with, the, uh, with the basketball players and football players and all that. So there is a, there is a friendship. It, to me, it's just a good sign that, that it's a happy functioning environment. Uh, support is big for each other. Um, and I think if, you know, don't be hypocrites. If you want people to come out and support, support you, then you need to go out and support them. You know, that's how it works. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great way to put it. Um, and I do feel like the, the people I mentioned deserve some credit. Uh, the coaches are being uh, Chris Beard's been phenomenal, as you yeah. know, uh, in, in creating at, that atmosphere around his program in basketball. It looks like Steve Sarkeesian supports that. Uh, obviously, uh, Vic Schaefer asking for more attendance, uh, David Pierce and uh, what's happening with the Occupy left field group. Yeah. Uh, in, in baseball. I think that's tremendous. It looked, it looked like they were having fun yesterday. <laughs> I, I read a tweet from one of them that just made me, I, I seriously, and this is what made me look up the, the stats I did on baseball. They, they tweeted that right now my blood alcohol content level is higher than the Texas pitching ERA. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that, and they're, the Texas pitching ERA yeah. is at 0.43 right now, I believe. Yeah. So, <laughs> So they were out enjoying a few brews uh, during the game. And I thought that was, that was a funny way to do it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Getting into, getting into football more uh, directly now, uh, Longhorns uh, are three weeks, uh, three weeks and a day uh, really away, or two days away from starting spring ball. It looks like they're going Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday throughout spring, right? That, that's kind of how uh, uh, Sarkeesian did it his first year. Looks like he, he wants to continue that. Uh, this coming year uh, starts March 22nd, ends uh, April 24th. The the uh, spring game is at 7 p.m. Uh, so if you're want to make a weekend of it and come in from Dallas or Houston or San Antonio or wherever and watch the spring game, I bet that would be a fun time for people to be in Austin. Uh, I know that Eric and I will most likely be there uh, yeah. and, uh, and uh, many of the Inside Texas staff as well. Uh, you know, Eric, we, we look at this and there, there's Texas has a couple things going on right now in football. They're getting ready for spring ball. Right. And simultaneously, these coaches are getting ready for big visit weekends, recruiting visit weekends and trying to get guys on campus. Um, and so you and the inside Texas staff uh, reported that it looks like two big visit weekends coming up mm -hmm. uh, the March 24th, 25th, 26th area. Uh, for one, Arch Manning, uh, sounds like Cedric Baxter as well, the running back out of, uh, out of Florida, Reuben Owens, we, we're, we're not quite sure of yet, but we think might be coming in. And then the following week, some additional players uh, coming in. Uh, I think Samaj Burrell and uh, Kyle Parker, Jonah Wilson, even some guys from out of state. Uh, Jerry mentioned one on the board yesterday from Arizona. They're, all, they're doing all this stuff, right? How are they, in your opinion, managing both sides of that right now? Um, how do you how do you how do you divide your time? Really? Yeah, I don't. It, they get busier and busier every year. You know, and that's when that's part of why I wrote a, wrote that uh, that post about Gary Patterson or the need for GMs, general managers, to to take some of that burden off of them. You know, they can only be in, in one place at once, and so when you have you know that that Saturday will be a spring scrimmage. And then you'll have at the same time, you got to entertain all these recruits. And then the following Saturday, they'll be doing it all over again. So 
they're, they're spread very thin these days. You know, there's, there's no off season in recruiting. There's really no off season in football because there's always workouts going on. And uh, you know, that you've got the portal. So there's that recruiting and, and evaluation. So I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. So it's, it's the, it's, it's going to benefit the most organized staffs are going to be the ones that went out overall long-term. Uh, but I expect those two visit weekends to be, I don't think one will be at elite weekend and the other one will be so, so I think they're going to be spread out where both of them turn out to be pretty, pretty elite weekends on, on the visitors. You know, it strikes me and I've been in this business for 30 plus years now following recruiting in college football uh, as a profession. And I've been following Brennan Marion's Instagram feed for the last week and a half, two weeks, really. <clears throat> and on top of what I just mentioned, as far as getting recruits on, getting ready for spring ball, you know what I see him doing? Coaching Little League basketball. Yeah. Yeah, I don't you know. know. And, and, and so as a, as a dad, you know, I've, I've got two kids and I know you have a kid. That, that just, it, it shows you, I mean, it tells you that how focused you have to be when you're doing your job, but that's not all it's about. And I, I'll tell you what, it was, when I see that, I'm just sitting there thinking, man, that dude's got a full day. Yeah, well, you can see why it's, uh, recruiting is a young man's game, especially with uh, how common social media is that the connection is, is nonstop. So you've got kids blowing you up. There's kids that you can't call because of age, but they can contact you. They're blowing you up. Um, I get private messages all the time. Hey, coach, can you check out my film? And I'm telling them I'm a writer. So I can't imagine all the requests that they get just one after another. So, yeah, there's only so many hours in the day. Uh, but, you know, if you got a little kid playing basketball, that's a priority right there. Yep. Um, going into spring ball, uh, you know, you and me and Jerry had a little text message going yesterday between the three of us. And we were saying, look, what are some of the big things that could happen coming out of the spring? You know, what are the big storylines really in, in your opinion, right, as of right now and, and, and what you're thinking of? Well, I wrote that article earlier in the week about, you know, five guys or six guys that need to have a have a good spring, uh, you know, sort of springboard into the fall. <clears throat> I mentioned both of the young tight ends, Gunnar Helm and Jatavian Sanders. Been hearing good things about both of them, of course. Isaiah Nair, they really need him to step up. Um, I had Hayden Connor uh, listed. Um, I had Jalen Ford listed. Um, am I missing somebody? Do, 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 do. I believe I am missing somebody. It'll come to me. But those guys have to step up because there are, you know, there's plenty of talent coming in, but they're not on campus yet. Hayden Con Connor adds a lot of flexibility. They need him to, to be a starter at guard. Um, and they might even try him out at right tackle. You know, Flood has a preference for those big guys on the outside. Uh, so, you know, <clears throat> I think I think Hayden Connor's kind of getting lost in the shuffle from the, all right, there's some guys that are veterans and and, 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 and a lot of people think that those are known guys and they're not going to improve. And, and so they're kind of cast to the side and then everybody's excited about the young younger players coming in. But then you have Hayden Connor, who is talented and has upside uh, and is, is a little bit more known. I don't think he should get lost in the shuffle. So he, he provides a lot of versatility and I think he's going to start next year. Uh, so he has to have a big spring, just all those holes that, that they need to fill. Of course, everybody's be, going to be uh, focusing on the uh, quarterback situation. Uh, it looks like Quinn is making a, I don't, well, I don't want to say he's making a move for the team. That's just his personality to, to blend in. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll be curious how that, how that goes. Is Hudson Card's going to start practice, uh, start spring ball as a starter? Does he finish that way? You know, we'll see. Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, that's of all the stories, right? Um, <clears throat> Texas quarterback carries a, whoever it is, carries a uh, state on its shoulders at times, right? And, yep. and so uh, whether Quinn Ewers or Hudson Card becomes that guy in the spring is going to be telling. I wonder 
um, how Steve Sarkeesian is actually going to manage that process. Um, we know uh, from last year that he gave Casey Thompson and Hudson Card time with the ones extensively, right? Yeah. Um, but he started with Casey Thompson at one and Hudson Card at two, not equally distributed, right? And then later in the spring, it went to equal. In the summer, it went back and forth between the two of them. And finally, well, he, yeah, he he gave the uh, spring game. He gave the uh, he gave the, the entire first team to uh, Casey in the in the twos with uh, with Hudson. <laughs> that was kind of odd. Um, but, I, you know, it's good. He's going to. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's not going to be hard for him to operate the quarterback room how he wants to because, you know, Hudson Card doesn't have much of an ego. And if, if Quentin Ewers is playing as well, then they're going to split, and that's it. It's a competition, you know. So I, I think they're going to end up splitting a lot of reps because they do want to see who's going to be – who has the best upside, and you want to get Quinn assimilated in the offense, whereas Hudson Card already knows the offense has a, has a year head start on them. You know, I think that the day that they both take reps with the ones are equal or one or one is uh, – or there's a switch, I guess, right? Of 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 uh, what was expected on the practice field the previous week or the previous few days is going to be when when uh, the sirens go off in in uh, Texas football internet world. Yeah, it tends to be that way. Remember this past year they had a scrimmage uh, in August and it, they sounded pretty even on from the scrimmage from our reporting, and then the next day it was a switch. Hudson Card number one, and he didn't look back until uh, till Arkansas. So. Yeah, we'll see. We're going to chronicle it. I, I love chronicling the facts of what's going on behind the scenes. Um, that'll tell you a lot. You don't, you know, we get asked for our commentary all the time, but if you just pay attention to, to the factual reporting, uh, you're going to have a good idea what your own commentary should be. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, you can, we can talk about kids coming on all we want. We can talk about, oh, Jatavian Sanders, you know, looking much better as an inline tight end or right. uh, overall just taking a, a renewed interest in, uh, getting to be a, a better player, however you want to say it. Um, we can talk about that. But until he actually makes a move on the depth chart and you yeah. see increased reps, right? it's just talk and yeah, the, it, it's opinion. The proof is in the pudding. That's how, you know, my opinion on who, who was going to start between Shane and, and Tyrone Swoops back in the day wasn't based on who I thought was better, even though I thought Shane was a better fit for the offense. It was who was getting most of the reps. So, Yeah, no, and, and I think that's where people – um, I, I think we need to do a, do a better job on that. Um, interesting. You mentioned Hayden Connor, Isaiah Hookfin dealing with an injury. Any other um, young offensive linemen you're looking for to, 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 to help in that rotation other than Connor? Um, because I don't see that right now. And, no, and no, that's it, one of the reasons why that, that offensive line class is so important. Yeah, well, that's why I have Hayden there is because there aren't a lot of options. He's, you know, offensive linemen, you know, college football players in general tend to make a big jump between the first year and their second year. The, our initial reporting on Hayden Connor was the staff was high on him and not the staff that recruited him, the staff that came in and evaluated him. Uh, they like him. And it, it's not, it's easy to understand why now the more we know Flood, the more we know that Hayden Connor sort of fits that profile. He's big, he's giant, but yes, he can move his feet. You know, this is, <clears throat> Flood's a guy that tried 
Tope Amade at, at right tackle, which, you know, Tope is a bit of an iceberg to have out there. It was, that was a bit surprising. <laughs> Hayden Connor moves, Hayden Connor moves better. Uh, and, you know, I, I hate that Tope Amade didn't have flood for his entire career because we would have seen a lot, a lot more football out of him for sure. Uh, but Connor, Connor fits what, what flood's looking for. Uh, he wants to get bigger in the trenches. Uh, there's an opening at guard spot. It, it'll be interesting what happens in August when uh, Devon Campbell comes in, because then maybe there's a, there's a bit of a three-man weave there. Are they trying Campbell at right tackle, Connor at right tackle? Can either of them beat out Andre Carrick? Uh, but for the spring, what matters most right now is, is Connor probably at guard. But, you know, if he plays well at guard, Andre Carrick better watch out because we know that Kyle Flood has a preference to put that put that big guy outside. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, while – I remember a conversation I had with Casey Studdard a couple of months ago or back in, during the football season. He really liked Carriage because of his tenacity, right? right? He felt like he was bringing something to the table that yep. maybe had been lacking uh, at Texas with some very aggressive or hyper-aggressive play that maybe went through the whistle, right? Right. Um, and so I, I'm interested to see how Kyle Flood mis mixes and matches all of that plus the new talent coming in and that's, I mean, that, yeah, that's definitely his reputation behind the scene. But there's something I call an evaluation when you see a corner that that tries to hit really hard, but doesn't really deliver. I call it physical intent more than physicality. You know, Carrick plays with more physical intent than he does with physicality because, you know, he, he is lacking some in size. And so, you know, that, that it's big offseason for him to get stronger. The physical intent is there. He's definitely nasty. You know, he's probably going to be uh uh, pinch you in the in the uh, in the scrum to try to try to get the fumble. You know he's going to do the dirty work like that. Uh, but you know physical intent versus physicality. I think he's more still on the physical intent side. Pinch you in the scrum. There's other words for that, by the way. Right. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> just for the record, uh, the other yeah. one that I, I thought you mentioned just a second ago that I want to I, I want to go back to linebacker Jalen Ford. Um, I think he's a key piece to the defense, right? Because of the linebackers, he's the one I thought last last year showed the most promise. Right. He wasn't always the most effective because he's young, but he's the one that showed most promise. Um, as you're looking at that linebacker group right now at Texas, and we know it needs improvement, um, how are they going to start this spring um, looking at linebacker from those two inside guys, really? Uh, Jalen Ford and DeMarvin Overshown, obviously. Behind Overshown, you'll have David Benda. And behind Jalen Ford, you'll have Devin Richardson and uh, Jet Bush we'll get a look at. So those are that's kind of how it, it boils down from a depth chart standpoint. Um, I mean, it's Jalen Ford's to lose. You know, I mean, that's you know, he's the one that kind of uh, has shown the most, uh, the most bite as a pup. <clears throat> uh, you know, he fits the profile for what they're looking at there. Uh, they just have to coach him up and get him more consistent. But I, I think he's got it. He's got the intangibles, the leadership, the toughness, the physicality, and he moves well enough. So he, he made he made plenty of uh, good plays last year. They just need to get him more consistent. And that's where Jeff Choate comes in. It's a big year for linebacker, but it's a big, big year for the, the guy charged with developing them as well. You know, this is going to be Overshone's uh, third year playing linebacker, but only his first offseason. So uh, Jeff Choate has to earn earn his money, and you know he was brought in as a developer. So this is the year that he's got to prove it. You mentioned Jet Bush, and we've talked about his move from <clears throat> defensive end effectively to linebacker. Um, why would he go behind Jalen Ford and not compete uh, against Overshone and Benda? Well, I mean he's on the bigger side of it, so those guys are going to play more in space to the field side more often. Um, he can run, but he he runs well. Uh, he's known as a good athlete behind the scenes, but. 
but more of a between the tackles, you know, he's going to be the one you want shucking blockers and stuff. He's used to dealing with offensive line. Uh, so he, he's going to have to learn how to take on blocks and, and play big in the box. Uh, but I would look for him if he plays another position, it'll be Buck uh, with Ovi. I think they're going to have different packages where Bush goes back to the outside more on the uh, on the Buck side instead of the Jack side where he was undersized. Gotcha. And then you have uh, obviously uh, someone that was injured as you I mean, IT reported at the time was the first report. Luke Brockmeyer, the very last practice of the, the entire football season, goes out uh, to a, a bad ACL. Um, he he theoretically would be coming back in the fall. He would then fit where Ford is right now, potentially, right. or would he go back? Yeah, he's, he's trying to compete with he, was starting, he was starting with Overshone last year, so he, he'd be where Ford is. So, yeah, the timing of that is terrible. Um, so hopefully he can get healthy and uh, and get back back to playing. You know, football is so, so unpredictable. You don't know. That guy, maybe he makes a game-saving tackle versus OU. Who knows? But he needs to get back and get ready. They, they lack depth. You know, they're going to try to add a piece, obviously, uh, when the time is right, when they find the right guy. Uh, West Virginia just had a, a, a player enter the, the portal, as Ian Boyd called him. He said, that's what we hope David Bender will become. Uh, I reached out to him. He said he's interested in any school that contacts him. I don't think he had heard from Texas yet, uh, but that was uh, not too long after he entered. So we'll see if they jump in the mix there. But you got you got a plan like this is who you're going to war with next year. And, um, you know, war is not the right uh, descriptor there right now. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, who you're going to go into that first week ne with next year. Um, and, and right now it's looking like Jalen Ford, but it's their job to coach him up. You know, they've got to win with the pieces that they have. And Ford's a good player. You know, um, Utah wanted him. <clears throat> when Utah wants you, there, there's definitely somebody there that you can develop on the defensive side. You know, I can imagine that David, uh, that Jalen Ford would have been, been quite the player under Morgan Scally. So it's, it's it, you know, Jeff has to, Jeff has to get him playing up to his ability. Uh, more consistently, and I, th I think the, I think he's going to be a good linebacker. I think he's going to start, uh, and I, that's why I've said that I don't think that if they bring in a linebacker, it better be a good one. Otherwise, that guy's going to compete like everybody else. You know, I don't think he, he's not guaranteed to upset uh, unseat uh, Jalen Ford. Yeah, and and that's that's something. I mean, right now Texas has, uh, I mean, they have last year they had below average linebackers according to Pro Football Focus or whoever you want to. You, your own eyes, yep. I think you, everybody felt Texas had below average linebackers. Uh, the defensive ends, I thought, you know, had some real problems as well. Um, I, I think that what I would like to ask is more on this, who they bring in type thing. You mentioned the portal, right? And they're, they're also recruiting the linebacker from Louisiana, but we don't know how heavy that, um, that uh, contact has been recently and whether or not he's still scheduled to come in in April uh, on an official visit. Uh, so we'll see if they continue that. Uh, anybody else in the portal other than O'Shawn Mathis right now that you know for sure Texas is genuinely going hard at right now? Nope. Yeah. I, nope, nobody. Yeah, I mean, it, they could be, um, but we haven't seen that necessarily yep. from the staff. So whether that means they're, they, they've got – people that are still waiting past spring ball, right? Yeah. Which you and I have, have you and, and Jerry really more than me have been talking about, you think there's going to be another run of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Option, options are limited right now, but you got to remember <clears throat> a lot of, a lot of schools are over the number too. So Texas is over the number right now. They're going to have to get down. Schools have to get down to the 85 man limit. Uh, I believe that's still a limit. Aren't they going back to that, that the COVID yeah. over was just one year. So 
So there's going to be, it's, it's, it's a fact that the, the portal is going to fill up. It's just, you know, what's, what is unknown is how, how good the quality of players are that are, are going to become available. But, yeah, there's always another one. There's going to be a good linebacker that becomes available. They just need to be ready to go when, it, when it's their guy. And maybe it's that West Virginia guy I need to reach back out to him. Yeah, you just, I mean, it's such a weird time when you can basically get a free agent in college football uh, and uh, make it happen for you. Um, Eric, uh, you mentioned uh, Isaiah Naor. We talked about Brendan Marion, the coach. Uh, uh, one of the things I talked with uh, Ian Boyd with last week was how Texas is going to manage to put all of these pieces on the on the field at once, right? Uh, Ian seems to think that they they with the proclivity of, of uh, uh, Steve Sarkeesian to want to be a power run team with your best player, who is Bijan. Bijan, as good as Xavier Worthy is, Bijan Robinson is probably still your best player, right? Yeah. Um, so you're going to want to be a power run team with him. Given that, and as of right now, to our knowledge, what we know is that Gunnar Helms, the best inline tight end blocking prospect, or, or blocker on the team, theoretically, right? He's not necessarily Jaleel Billingsley as a receiver. He's not Isaiah Nayor. He's not Jordan Whittington. How do you get all the right pieces on the on the on the field at the same time, or is it a mix and match? And they they're just going to have to uh, see what works on a given game day. Yeah, you're gonna <clears throat> you're gonna play your personnel packages and 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 go from there. You know, um, there'll be an eleven personnel, twelve personnel probably more 21 personnel, more two back sets and stuff. But I don't think the two back sets will be their bread and butter. I think that'll be their change of pace. Uh, that'll be when they they kind of uh, see something to exploit and, and break tendency with that. But, you know, 12 personnel is going to feature a lot. And that's why the addition of Billingsley was so important because, you know, like I said that in the past, they'll, they'll really in 11 and, a half, in 11 and a half personnel where he's, he's, somewhat, he's, he's a receiver as much as the tight end. <clears throat> but if you have those other weapons out there, <clears throat> you need that blocking. That blocking is going to buy time for double moves and going over the top. Uh, if, if Billingsley is as good as uh, Jordan Whittington at RPOs, and you're not losing a ton when he's out there versus Whittington, uh, so if if a guy's out there setting the edge like uh, like we hope Helm can, Helm can do, we're not sure, uh, but if he can do it, then he's going to make those pieces that you do have it on the field that much more effective. So there's a lot of value in that. He, it might get lost in the shuffle, but there was a lot of times where uh, where Thompson or Card. Uh, just didn't have enough time to, to get a, a wider, get to a wide receiver that was streaking open. Some of that, that's protections breaking down. If, if, if they can block better than Wiley, especially in pass protection, then they're, they're going to be perfectly fine. And you'll sacrifice that having that receiving ability as inline tight end to make the other pieces more effective. Um, Texas finished five and seven last year. Um, what do you think uh, a good improvement would be year over year? Uh, nine wins, you know, that's, I, I don't think anything less than nine should be expected or, or accepted, you know, um, but there's so, so much bad luck in the last year that, you know, it's hard to, uh, I don't know. I, I go back and forth because I do believe, you know, you are what your record says, but that's sort of hindsight too. In the middle of it, you know, they had, you know, they had OU on the ropes, they had Oklahoma state on the ropes, they had Baylor on the ropes, you know, all these good teams or semi good teams. And, you know, they played right there. And it, it, like I said, it, it, it's a sliding door thing. That season could have gone either way. Um, so they finished five and seven, but are they really as bad as five and seven? I'm not so sure about that. So I think nine wins is just a safe number. The big 12 is down. Um, they've addressed a lot of different needs across the board. You know, I, I've said that if they just make small inter incremental 
uh, improvements uh, in each aspect of the program that we'll see a bigger improvement overall. That's that whole ri the rising tide lifts all shifts uh, applies here as well. So if they get better at quarterback, then everybody else is better. And um, yeah, like, like I said, a, an average quarterback last year uh, and that team doesn't go five and seven, you know, they win at least eight games. Yeah. I was thinking about this and, and you know, Texas, I, three, three non-conference games, Louisiana Monroe. And I think Texas is going to be heavily favored lose to Alabama. You know, I don't want to say that the percentage, but 85 to 90% likely they lose to Alabama. Right. Even though it's in Austin. I, I, uh, I just, then, I just, I, I saw them lose to Zach Calzada and Kyle Field, so I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm not yeah. picking Texas, but I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it all off season either. Right, exactly. And and then UTSA, which has uh, Jeff Trailer has had the Roadrunners in, in good shape uh, through the uh, his first two years there. At the same time, he graduates heavily this year, um, and so it's gonna, he's gonna have a, almost a brand new team coming to Austin in a lot of ways, uh, including his best player, the running back. So. I feel like I feel like uh, you know those two that, that gives you two wins. If you're thinking seven wins out of a ten, ten team league, you're really talking about um, you know some I, Texas is Spencer Sanders is back, and whether as bad as Spencer Sanders can be, he did uh, take them to the conference championship game ago, a year ago at Oklahoma State. Um, Baylor. Even though they lose heavily on defense, they're bringing back four of their starting five on on the offensive line. Texas Tech finished the year strongly. Yeah. Um, uh, so I feel like they they're going in a positive way. Uh, K State's bringing in Adrian Martinez. Uh, of course, Iowa State graduates the the blood and guts of their program, and, and or is going pro early in Brees Hall, right? Um, and so. I see with you what you say about the Big 12 possibly not being as strong next year. I also see a, a league that's always uh, going to hang around the rim, to use a Jerry Hamilton term. Uh, TCU, uh, I think its offense is going to be infinitely better this year uh, with Sonny Dykes at the helm yeah. as opposed to uh, to Doug, Doug Meacham a year ago. Well, I mean, the coaching in the Big 12 has traditionally been good, and that's what creates all these outlier seasons. Or, you know, one guy, one team looks down and then they put it together, and all of a sudden they look amazing. You know, Mike Gundy's an awesome coach. I can't believe he's still in Oklahoma State. Um, and, you know, I'd say he'd make a good defensive coordinator hire. I had no idea he was going to go get Derek Mason. That was, you know, it's a shock, you know. So um, I think even though Spencer Sanders is erratic, uh, you can kind of coach around that. You know, you know that you're going to have to uh, limit him some. And Gundy's a witch on offense doing that. He knows how to incorporate all the pieces that he has. Um, I mean, it's, he's, just, he's just an amazing coach. Um, obviously, Matt Campbell's team is going to take a step back probably. They, and they underperformed this past season. Uh, Ian still licking his wounds over those predictions. Sorry, Ian. Uh, but he's a hell of a coach, so who knows what's going on. He, and he's, he's a developer. Uh, he recruits well uh, relatively to Ames. So, you know, I'm sure he's going to have – you know, maybe they don't have a great season, but those schools that put their season on the line against Texas and, and they want to measure success by a win over Texas, you're going to get their best shot. So, um, you know, I'm not discounting them. Dykes, yeah, the offense is going to be improved. And you know that he was left uh, better defensive pieces than what was on display this past season, uh, even though they are losing. They, obviously, they're losing O'Shawn Mathis and Kerry Coleman. So that's that's not going to be easy. Uh, but it's going to be fun. I don't know. It's going to be great football, but it's going to be fun and entertaining football. Uh, and Texas just Texas needs to be competing. And then OU is just a total outlier with all the, I, all the overhaul they've had. I was going to say, I mean, 
dude, they didn't lose their they didn't lose their number one quarterback. They lost their number one and number two quarterback. Um, they lost their top young receiver. Um, they graduate heavily on defense. Um, you know, we don't even know. I mean, who starts at running back for them next year? Javante Barnes, I guess the freshman. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, uh, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. Uh, but OU is, is, in my opinion, the big wild card in the league next year because, you know, they have talent on campus. Um, you just don't know how they're going to. Uh, I mean, Venables, it, Venables is an outlier himself. It's a whole different job wearing that number one headset. You know, how, how's his clock management? What if his clock management costs him a game or two? Who knows, you know? Um, he's, it, it's, a, it's a whole different thing scheming one side of the ball and then coming in and you're, you're in charge of both sides of the ball all of a sudden. You know, he's been so defensive focused. And, and he's not like when Kirby Smart left Alabama to go into uh, to go to the SEC and they're still playing that old school SEC sort of football at the time where, you know, offenses were lower scoring, you know? He's coming in and it's a whole different ball game for him. So we'll see. He made a good hire on his offensive coordinator. So, you know, you got to give him credit on that. Gotcha. All right. All right. Eric Nalin, publisher, InsideTexas.com. Uh, for all your news and information and recruiting on a daily basis, even, I mean, the, the number of articles uh, Inside Texas wrote and uh, news reported this week was past week was incredible, Eric. Uh, and uh, please consider a subscription. Uh, for inside or to InsideTexas.com. Uh, also, if you're interested in more videos like this, uh, you will be automatically um, uh, notified if we do an uh, a, a YouTube live segment by hitting the red subscribe button. Uh, Eric, Jerry, and myself, uh, Jerry Hamilton, uh, re national recruiting expert, did a, a YouTube live on Friday uh, where we really broke down the news of Arch Manning visiting. Uh, as well as some other news uh, that happened, recruiting news that happened over the weekend. Uh, please visit InsideTexas.com. Please uh, also uh, come back to this YouTube channel and to listen to our podcast. Uh, for Eric Nolene, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been State of the Program on, on Texas Football.